0: So, as we gather, um, I'd like to just transition that right into this thought that graduates have it really hard this year, class of 2020. Uh, The prom, the graduation, the walk, getting the diploma. And I think there's a little bit of lamenting and grieving because there's a lot of suffering in school years, homework projects, exams, SATs. And to finally get to this point where we graduate, this rejoicing, there's a there's a there's a message in there, and it's connected with today's message in Romans 8. And so I'd like to read that for us today. Uh, If you could join me, and we'll be reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 25. So let us hear the word of God together. Apostle Paul writes: For I consider that the sufferings of this present time But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? God, we do hope for what we cannot see. And in the middle of the groaning we are enduring at this moment as a whole world, we thank you for pointing us and to revealing to us your Son, Jesus Christ. God, at this moment, would you allow your spirit that helps us to pray, that helps us to understand, and that helps us to find strength to get through, at this very moment, the same spirit to help us hear your message from your heart to us through your word. God, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, I think the sadness of graduates is that they worked so hard, and that moment where they could wear their gown, their hat, and turn that tassel over, is not happening. And so I think we see a sliver of why the hope that we long for is, is what keeps us going. So my statement today is suffering is not our enemy. Suffering is not our enemy. It's hopelessness is the enemy. And so Apostle Paul writes in verse 18 this same thought, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. They have no weight. They don't have any value, that's what he's saying, with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So suffering right now, is that's not the problem. Why? Because compared to the future glory that's coming to us, we have something to live for, look forward to. And so he's saying that the present suffering actually enhances our longing for the future uh, you've seen those videos where soldiers come back from military service and they surprise their kids and everyone's crying. And every time I watch the video, I cry. But I've noticed that when I go out to work or once in a while this week, I go to church and I come back, I come home, and kids are like, they don't even say hi. They're like, oh, dad, I didn't even know you were gone. And so there's this phrase in America, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it's not because the kids don't love me, but it's that we just got used to it, and sometimes the suffering makes what we treasure even greater. And Paul is hinting at this idea that suffering right now is not the enemy. In fact, what it makes us do is long for, joyfully, for what's to come. The creation is groaning, and I don't know, maybe you could just humor me at home. Just just groan, just let it out. In, like during the current time, we're going, oh, it is this is a time of groaning. And so people are pent up. They want to be out. They want to go to church. They want to shop. They want to go to the beach, and they are now. And so there's a lot of this hesitancy and groaning of, is it safe? Do we want our freedom? Can we go out? Is it okay? And so Paul dangerously <laughs> uses the metaphor, analogy of a childbirth. Now, women, I do not dare say Paul understands what you're going through or what you went through. But what he's doing vicariously is saying, this groaning that we see in this world, everything that is not the way it's supposed to be, it's like childbirth. It's that pain of labor. Again, he doesn't understand fully the pain, nor do I presume that. But we do see that it is painful. And he's saying, one day, as in a childbirth, when the baby is finally delivered, what happens? The pain is forgotten because this beautiful child is born. And it was this joy flows in. And he's saying, this world's groaning is like that. It's going to come, and it's going to go. Because what's to come is so beautiful. And so, there is a hymn that you may have heard. and I sung this, sang this growing up. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Do you remember that child hymn or... Songs that you sang, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. And so it was written in 19th century by a man named Wallace Wallace. He was a slave. And this is considered a Negro spiritual, which is a combination of Christian songs tied with the misery and the hardship of the slave life during the 19th century America. And so this song, the meaning of it, It's tied with Elijah, who was carried home in a chariot, but it's symbolic and it's the message is saying, this world, with all its groaning, is going to pass. One day, one way or the other, either in this world or definitely the next, we will have freedom. We will be liberated from the bondage of slavery, literally, physically, as well as spiritually because of Jesus so that's what the meaning of that song is. It's looking forward to the glory that's to come. And so Christians, we yearn for this freedom. We yearn for this future. And what we're saying is, gosh, Lord, let it come. And so what is this glory? In verse, 20, verse 23, um, this is what Paul writes. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons. The redemption of our bodies. So specifically what the glory is, the redemption of our bodies, meaning we will have new bodies, this pain, this this unfairness, this this brutality of this world. It's going to pass, and we will have new body, new heaven and new earth. In other words, Jesus, when he comes in glory, the world will become the way it has always been meant to be. We're going back to the garden. It's been renewed, restored by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And so, in uh, Revelation twenty-one verse four, as an as an example, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. That's so beautiful. Can you say that with me again? Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. No COVID nineteen. No pandemics no bankruptcies anymore for the former things have all passed away because Christ is alive and restored everything we too will share in that so romans 8 it's packed with theology and i just want to give a summary if you ever wanted to know what has god done for sinners romans 8 gives you just a dense uh, summary of what god has done for sinners by his grace so verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation Jesus has taken away condemnation for anyone who is in him once and for all we never have to fear has God rejected me has God removed me from his favor will God condemn me in Jesus Christ that fear is gone verse 4 what is he saying Jesus lived perfectly all the law as a human being and why is that good well, those of you who've done school projects, I was the dummy in the group. I don't know, and I didn't know what I was doing. But you had that one smart guy. Well, Jesus is your study group partner, and you have no idea, you haven't even contributed. But he did everything, he did the work perfectly, and he got the group at A. What did you get? You got an A. How? Because of his work that spilled over into you by that connection, we got an A. It's unfair. That you didn't do anything, but that's also the grace. That's what happens. That's what Jesus has done perfectly. He's given it to us, and the Bible calls that you are now righteous because of his righteousness given to you. Verse 9, the Spirit of God lives in us. Verse 11, even when we die just like Jesus, we too will be raised up. And then verse 15, we get to call God, not just God, but Paul says We get to call God, Abba, Father. Wow. This intimacy is renewed with God. We get to know God intimately. So because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all these blessings given to us, we have a different view of suffering that's different from the way the world views. So this is why we should not watch the news all day long. Although, I must confess, I I watch a lot of news. But the news portrays just what's going on in the world. But the gospel liberates us to see suffering through a different perspective. A pastor that I uh, know, he loves using this analogy. He says, you're on a plane, and all of a sudden you get the news the plane is going to crash. So what do you do? You get a parachute. Parachute. They give out a parachute. You don't just believe in the parachute, but you trust it, and you put it on. You cling to the parachute. And as you're waiting for the jump that's to come in this crashing plane, the person next to you accidentally spills his coffee on you. It hurts. It burns. And you're like annoyed. But what do you do? Do you get up and, excuse me, waitress, I I like to uh, complain somebody spilled coffee on me. No. If anything, that spilled hot coffee makes you look forward even more to the jump that's ahead. That's not the aim of this time. The aim of a crashing plane is not to live comfortably as you can in a crashing plane. Is to prepare for the jump that's to come. So in our life, the way we view this, because we have a hope in Jesus Christ who has overcome and will give us new bodies and will renew this earth to the way it's supposed to be, the inconveniences we face, they don't get us angry. They make us look forward even more to the glorious hope of the future that is to come. And so this is why Paul says in verse 24, for in this hope, we, are, we were saved. And it's a save that keeps going and going. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ in this pandemic, it does a few things to us. The gospel, the church, I'm talking to you and me and reminding ourselves, this is guiding and informing how we live. How do we live? Instead of panic and fear, we have trust and gratitude to God. That all things, even in the groaning, a few verses down later, Paul writes that famous verse, Romans 8.28, that in all things, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. That God is going to take this groaning and still make something magnificent so we could trust and have gratitude towards God, even in the midst of trials. He also continues, we're reminded that because of God's grace, some of us in fear, what do you do? You clench and hold on to things, and you, you are scared. But Christians, it's the opposite. The more things get scary, we, we loosen that grip. We show even more generosity. My wife and I have this motto, when things are hard in our lives, we rack it up even more. We give even more away. Because our hope is not in the money and the things, but it's in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He has never let us down. And so we give lavishly. We think about others. And so that takes us to start being motivated not out of fear. Make decisions out of wisdom and love rather than fear. The gospel drives out fear in all of us. So right now, small businesses and people are having a hard time. They're counting on not a government bailout, small businesses. They're counting on us. And so the way we support this community is we have to start being mindful of the stores, the shops, the neighbors, the families. And the gospel drives us to go into the community. The church is not what gathers. The church is dispersed because you yourselves are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are the church. And the church, it's time to unleash our blessings that God's blessed us with. And so the last thought, and if this is all true, and this is for the maybe the non-believers as well as the Christians who need to reframe, we need to recheck our foundation. We need to recheck our foundation. We need God. Um, in verse twenty twenty one, let me reread this. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, we sure didn't pick this life, of this choice, this pandemic, but because of him who subjected it. God allowed us to go through this. He didn't create it, but he allows us to go through it. Why? In hope that the creation itself will be set free from the real problem. Here it is, the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. God loves us so much. He allows us to go through hardship, to recheck our foundation, do you stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Because this trial allows us to see and be awakened to my freedom is not in my 401K, my checking account, my car, and just what I own and my house. But the real bondage is ultimately sin. And Jesus Christ can free us from that. And so I wanted to wrap this sermon up with this. How do we think and how do we remind ourselves of all these things? And Romans 8 has it. And so if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to actually just read from verse 31 on. The gospel in the time of pandemic allows us to think and be different because we are different. We are set apart. We are dwelt and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. And there is a hope that we hold to. That is bigger than can we gather inside the church. That's not my hope. My hope is whether we do, whether we don't, Jesus, we are yours and you are ours. So let me read verse 31 to the rest of the chapter of Romans 8. And I want this to be the message God has for you. Here we go. What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Just notice how Paul's accepted that. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors this is a time for lamenting. This is a time where people are suffering. And this is a time where we are groaning. But let this be a time, the lens of the good news of Jesus Christ, that it makes us realize how beautiful, how much we long for the coming glory when Jesus comes. Let your hope, lie in the future glory with jesus christ as he sustains you through this current lamenting let's pray heavenly father i just pray for those of us in this room and those all scattered around god there is some serious groaning going on because there's a lot of people suffering And definitely beginning with the church, we're reminded of this gospel that we have. That Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, you rose again. And what you've opened up is hope giving to all people. So may the church, may we renew our faith in you. And may those who are seeking for answers during this time not fall back to just apathy, but may they be awakened and perked to say what is my foundation what am I standing on and may they hear and know that you are a God who has called them and who is calling them may they be found in hope in your risen son Lord this is what we pray this is what we hope in we give you glory and thanks in Jesus name we pray amen